Catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Sexual health is a large term. When we see or hear the word, the word sexual health, it is common to focus on the word sex. But did you know that sexual health is so much more than the act of sex, as we'll see in this conversation? There are many types of health, including physical health, mental health, spiritual health, cultural health, social health, financial health, environmental health, and so many more. Now, sexual health is as valuable as any other type of health. How important it is will be different for each person. Worldwide, about half of women are not free to make their own decision regarding sexual and reproductive health and rights. The situation in Western and Central Africa is particularly concerning. Now, according to a recent study, only 7 in 10 women in Nigeria had the power to say no to sex. When taking into account all these three indicators, first, there's power to say no to sex. Two, to decide on contraception. And third, on healthcare, only 46% of Nigerian women had the freedom to decide on their own. Now, sometimes depending on where you are in the world and your upbringing, sexual health may not be as recognized as other types of health. And there may even be shame, embarrassment, fear and confusion with sexual health. Take a moment to think about how the topic of sexual health makes you feel. No matter where you're coming from, we are here. I am here to help bring sexual health into a more positive and empowering place. A place where hopefully you can learn the sexual health information you like and come away knowing that sexual health is a natural part of being human. My guest is Dr. Esther Adilokpo. She is a general practitioner and family doctor of the Medicenter Ikeja, a world-class primary care facility providing quality health care across its three locations in Lagos. She is a graduate from the prestigious College of Medicine, University of Lagos, and has expertise in maternal and child care as well as care of the whole family. A passion for the health of the individual and community as a whole, as Sina participates in numerous outreach programs, giving talks, medical conferences, workshops, offered free medical services and preventive care to communities both within and outside Nigeria. She has a postgraduate diploma in family medicine, patient-centered healthcare certification, and Lagos Business School certification. Hello, Dr. Esther. Hi, Gloria. Nice to be here again and see your <laughs> lovely face. <laughs> As they, when, nice I, when, I, when I told people that it's Dr. Esther today, they were like, oh, okay, your regular customer on this show. I'm, no, she's my regular guest, please. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Dr. Esther. How are yeah, you doing? So How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you too? Oh, fine, 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 fine. And we're having this conversation just before Valentine's uh, Day, which is next week. So we're just getting to talk about sexual health. I mean, it's a timeless conversation. So we're not just limiting ourselves to the fact that, okay, Valentine is around the corner and all of that. So it's a timeless conversation. Even after now, it's still very much relevant. All right now. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's just go straight into that part of the conversation. All right. Um, looking at sexual health as a, as a phenomenon, as an idea, what exactly is sexual health? 
Okay. I mean, thank you so much for that question. It's so important because you said something in your introduction that whenever we mention sexual health, one of the things is that people always just zone in for the sexual activity or sexual intercourse. But as with everything that has to do with health, we have to consider the whole person. So when we talk about sexual health, we're talking about physical health relating regarding to um, sexual health. We're, we're talking about the psychological um, aspect of the person's health. We're talking about the mental aspect of that person's health in relation to their sexual their sexuality or their sexual health. Well, I mean, it's an all-encompassing thing. And so we want to ensure that when we say sexual health, it is the constitution of the well-being of that person in all aspects of their life. I mean, cultural, you mentioned financial, because all those things go a long way in affecting the sexual health of a person. Mm. So that's basically, so sexual health is well-being, sexual well-being, physical, mental, psychological well-being, the wholeness of the individual in relation to their sexual life. Mm. So it's all encompassing. Each of them have a role to play. They are all joined together. Precisely, precisely. Okay, so let's now talk about the importance. First, should we first start with the fact that people do not like to talk about it? Once you ask them, how is your sexual health like? They go, please, what are you talking about? So personal to me. But if you ask them, (laughs) how is your physical health? You hear, oh, I'm doing well, I'm fine. I don't have pain in my body. Is there a reason why people are so... um, Let's use private when it comes to sexual health. Is there a reason why people do not like to talk about it or they feel like you're infringing on their privacy? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, even as a doctor, I I experienced that a lot. And, you know, the thing is, you know, when we're talking about sexual health and we're talking about cultural aspects of it, you know, culture has a big role. Religion has a big role. Our own ideologies have a big role to play in our sexuality or in our sexual health. And so because it is shrouded in a lot of mystery and, you know, hidden and less talked about, people continually grow up feeling uncomfortable sharing this aspect of their lives. And sometimes even, you know, as individuals, we do not consider that our sexual health is important until we're about to have babies. Mm. Meanwhile, there have been issues ongoing from you know time immemorial, and we haven't addressed these issues just because, as a people, sometimes we don't feel that sexual health is important, but it is as important as every other aspect of our health because it can go a long way in affecting our lives. So Yes, that's the reason why we don't talk about it. It's a cultural thing, but it is important for us to know that you need to talk about it. Sometimes people will walk in and I'm saying, what's the problem with you? Especially when it's a male thing. You know, and, you know, they ask, I'm saying, what's the problem? Oh, I have a headache. But meanwhile, there's something else that the person wants to say, but is not ready to talk about it. So that this is an opportunity to say, please, when you get to your doctor, you know, your physician, please talk about your sexual health. We want to know what is going on with you. It's not just the fever and the temperature and the vomiting that matters to us, but your sexual health matters to us as well. Wow. <laughs> That's well said. All right. Now, coming to coming uh, to the sexual health itself, looking at sexual health and reproductive health, many people confuse those two uh, terms, they use it interchangeably. Now, are they the same, talking about sexual health and reproductive health, are they the same or there's a difference between both? 
Okay, so your reproductive health is, is, you know, an aspect even under your sexual health, basically. You know, we're about to say that what, what, why is our sexual health important? The thing about your sexual health is that it, it considers various aspects of your life or of your person. So it considers your sexuality, meaning how do you love to express yourself sexually? It considers your sexual orientation. It considers your body image. How do you feel about your body because that will go a long way in affecting your sexual health the way we perceive that oh I'm, I, I feel i'm too fat oh i feel like i have a lot of you know fat and oh that may affect how i'm going to perform sexually but you know that is also an important thing we need to consider we need to um your sex do you understand out there and you're wondering oh they said it has to be five hours it has to be three hours before <laughs> i am you know so that kind of perception affects your sex passes your sexual and reproductive health care, it encompasses reproduction. It encompasses even your sexual reproductive anatomy. Some people don't know what is going on down there. They don't know what it looks like, what their anatomy looks like in terms of their reproductive or sexual um, organs. Um, it also, we also have to talk about issues like unwanted violence and coercion when it, we talk about sexual health as well, um, as well as you know issues um, where we discuss boundaries and consent. Those things also apply to our sexual health as well. So that's why it's important for us to have this conversation about sexual health because it encompasses a lot of things that affect us and that we need to know about and even talk about amongst ourselves, our partners. You know, we have to have an understanding of this. I love that. I love that. It seems like sexual health as an, as a term is very broad. There's so many parts to it. And I love the fact that you've explained that it's not just about talking about sex. Yeah. There's several parts to it. Yes. Now, yes. how do people know if they're sexually active or if they're sexually healthy, rather? How do they know they're sexually healthy, even if they've not started having sex? Because if you ask someone now, how sexually healthy are you? They cannot answer. They cannot say anything. They, can, they don't know what to say about it. So how do people know if they're sexually healthy, even if they've not started having sex? Okay. You know, when we talked about sexual health, we mentioned quite a number of things that are even apart from even sex itself. So for instance, when you talk about sexual health, your body image and your perception of how you, you are. So some people already feel that, oh, they are not, they're not going, they're going to have issues sexually because, oh, I'm, I'm fat, I'm big. So you need to even deal with that because that is also going to affect you down the line when eventually you're going to have you know sexual exposure for instance the other things that we need to also talk about uh, or th this person needs to also know you know knowing even your own body anatomy do you understand knowing that okay this is you know sexually healthy or your sexual health is optimal like i said before it's not about just being concerned about you know everything below the waist but it starts right from the head meaning your perception of what your sexuality is or what it is you know some people consider sex as being oh it's a dirty word i don't want to talk about it i don't want to hear about it and that goes a long way in even affecting how your eventual performance is for somebody who has a poor body image or a poor sexual self-esteem, you know, maybe you've heard that from friends ah, that they said, oh, you have to last like 30 minutes before, you know, you must be you are perfect. 
all those things need to be corrected. So you want to ask, you want to ensure that you have the right perception, one of your body image, of what sexuality is. What was it all about? You want to even know about your own body organs. So for some people, they don't even know what, you know, what, what does the vulva look like? What does, what, what are these zones where that are pleasurable? They have no idea. And those things you need to know about them. And, you know, having a conversation with, you know, your health provider, with a therapist, all those things are helpful in ensuring that you're getting the right information. I have to stress that because a lot of times people go to a lot of, you know, um, unqualified channels to actually get information and sometimes get erroneous information that might be harmful in the long term for their sexual health. So the other thing that I know people are, you know, also very con uh, conscious about is STIs, you know, knowing that, okay, am I healthy enough? So, for instance, if, um, I mean, it's important for you to be able to know your status. One of the first things is, you know, HIV, your HIV status, because that goes a long way in informing the conversations you need to have with your partner about, oh, okay, I'm HIV positive. But the good thing is that there are advancements in medication and therapies now that render you unable to even infect the other person. As long as you're taking your drugs for you know long enough and you've been attending your you know appointment and you've been checked your viral loads are low to undetectable it ensures you're unable you know to transmit to your partner so ensuring that even yourself you know what your health status is so it's not even just only hiv even though that's the one we talk about the most you have hepatitis b you have hepatitis c you have syphilis there's so many stis the other thing that as part of even checking your sexual health is how do I know how to protect myself? Do I know how to protect myself? Getting the right information. For instance, part of your sexual health is how do I prevent pregnancies? How do I prevent STIs? Some people know about, yes, there's something called condoms. They don't know how to use condoms properly. Um, I mean, they don't know how to prevent pregnancies. A lot of women will go to use um, emergency contraception pills after every sexual exposure. And I say that is so wrong. So the common one, we all know the common one that people will use morning after pill. And it is not a method of contraception. Not only are you going to have irregular periods afterwards, I mean, it can fail very easily, you know, so it's important for you to get to know all those things. Those are the things that, you know, form your, you know, optimal sexual health before, yes, you eventually get down. So you need to know those things. Don't pretend and hide under, you know, uh, a rock, and pretend like it's, it's something you're going to eventually have to face. So it's important to know it so that somebody will not come and bamboozle you and say, don't worry, all those people are just lying, diary. Don't mind Dr. Adiloko and Gloria, they're just lying to you. You know, <laughs> you need to know all these things. Do you understand? No, as in, this is my anatomy, this is my body. Know everything about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, Dr. Esther, I agree with you 100%. A lot of times yeah. I get stuff like, I'm not ready. Is it not someone that's having sex that we need to learn about their sexual health? I don't think mm. I'm ready about that. <laughs> when I start having sex mm. and when I get married and I want to give birth to my children, then I will learn about sexual mm. health. For now, I'm not ready. Hey. I'm not ready and all of that. So, um, um, hey. the issue now is, how do we make people know that they have to know about these things? How do we get them to learn about it? Because it's a serious issue. So you deserve an award already. 
at least you are doing your part. You can't carry mm. a placard, but mm. you are doing your part mm. in enlightening people about the fact that it's important to know about your sexuality. You should not wait for another person to come and teach you. You need to find credible sources of information. I mean, the easiest place to start is your doctor's place. You know, you have you also have sex therapists that your doctors can refer you to. You also have um, gynecologists, specialists that deal with these things because as part of our sexual health, sometimes some women have like some anatomical variations, let me put it that way, that may also impact on their sexual health. So if you've you've had all these things, there's nobody that's examined you, no doctor that's assessed to see that there's any issue. You might go down the line and have difficulties and not know why. So yeah, very important. But of course, we doctors also have our parts to play when we have our consultations and are discussing with patients. We also need to be able to, you know, bring out this kind of information, have these conversations, make our patients comfortable enough to be able to share what is in their hearts with us and not feel judged in any way. Because at the end of the day, your sexual health is also part of your own health and it matters. It does matter. Hmm. I love that. Uh, not making them feel judged or why did you, why, even if the person opens up at the end of the day, there's this face you can give and they're like, oh, why yeah. did I talk in the first place? Yeah. Talk. Yeah. Hmm. Now, before one starts having sex or after one starts having sex, how can you know yeah. you're not sexually healthy? You know, we've asked the question of how can you know you are healthy? So now what are the things that can show you or what are the things you can see, the signs that can come that will tell you, mm, it's like you're not sexually healthy. Are there any tests that one can do to stay safe and all of that? I will talk about the tests, but it's also important for us to realize that you are only as safe as your last protected intercourse basically. So what it means is that if you do a test, for instance, and your test says you're HIV negative, you're hepatitis B negative, you know, and even those HIV tests, they usually say something like non-reactive. So, and because it is not a permanent condition, meaning that after you do the test, if you engage in behaviors that will expose you to the risk of contracting any of these STIs, then there's the possibility that you might become positive from that next encounter. So I want to stress that so that nobody carries a test in their pocket and displays it to every partner and is like, hey, hello, this is my badge. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. <laughs> no, please. no, please. We still preach the gospel of practicing sex, please. So <laughs> let us talk about the tests. So how will I know that? Oh, I, I, I'm not, you know, um, you know, my sexual health. Apart from all the psychological issues I've mentioned before, when we're talking about um, tests, for instance, so you, when you do a test, obviously you're doing a test and you're HIV positive, for instance. I mentioned that that you need to get yourself treated so that you'll be at a point where you can actually now, you know, have sexual exposure without the uh, and thereby reducing risk to, of transmission to the various minimum. Then we talk about things like hepatitis B. So you suddenly discover that, oh, maybe a routine test, your hepatitis B positive. There are investigations that are also done to find out if you are infectious. And so it's important to follow through. Don't just, oh, hepatitis B and you will, and no, it's not the end of the world. Go do for that, see, see a, a specialist. The name of the specialist is the gastroenterologist, who is the doctor that deals with, you know, hepatitis B basically and hepatitis C, for instance. So that doctor will test you to find out if you are infectious and then give you medications, do things that will help you, you know, get you out of that zone. Then we also talk about um, infection, things like uh, um, herpes and genital warts. 
you know, we've been talking about cervical cancer last month and the HPV virus is responsible for a lot of this drama. So while um, what are obvious on the outside, so you can see that you actually have active um, what's Whenever you have those lesions, that is not the time to be having sexual exposure because you are more, you know, prone to, you know, infecting others at that time. You need to go see your doctor and get these warts treated. These, these things can be treated and they can, you know, the treatments can cause the warts to fall off. Yes, they might recur again, but at that time, you should not have, you know, sexual exposure because there is a risk of you transmitting to the other person at that active time. So when you assess yourself and see that all these things are present, then yes, you know that, okay, you are not at that phase. But it's also important to remember that a lot of things are not obvious on the outside. Do you understand? They're not obvious on the outside. So you may do quite a number of tests, you know, syphilis, chlamydia, gonorrhea and everything. And there might still be, you know, there is still risk of transmission. So the essence is, even when you test yourself and everything is negative, still consider protection at all times, every encounter. Do you understand? Every single encounter. So you need to always put at the back of your mind protection, very important. Now, this protection we're talking about, is it just for single people or even married people have to uh, go stay protected? Okay, I mean, when when you are um when you're talking about um safe sex, when we say protection, because in, in marriage, the reason for protection in quotes is is different in the sense that we are talking about do we want to prevent intercourse? Uh sorry, do we want to prevent pregnancies? And sometimes it, yes, and sometimes even in marriage, the doctor may because one partner is under treatment, maybe for some, you know, STI or, you know, for any of these other things I mentioned, HIV, hepatitis B, the doctor may advise the couple in marriage to still use protection pending the time that, you know, this person has been fully treated to a point where they can now, you know, advise on unprotected intercourse. So yes, sometimes you would need protection or some barrier method at that time. Now, um, in a scenario where you are not only, so outside of that kind of relationship, where you're not only considering preventing pregnancy, pregnancy, preventing STIs and all those things. Yes, you want to bring in the issue of protection. Do you understand? Because, um, you know, condoms go a long way in protecting against a lot of things. Do you understand? In, in giving peace of mind. However, it's also important at this point to also know that they don't protect against 100% of STIs. So an, a typical example would be the HPV, for instance. HPV would happen when there is skin-to-skin -skin sexual contact. So whether it is even the genital surfaces that are not covered by the condom can also, you know, predispose one to being infected if there is oral intercourse as well, you know, because obviously you're not going to wear a condom in your mouth or something, but... <laughs> Okay, I'm, I'm kidding. But, but the point is that you can still contract it from other body surfaces. So it will go a long way in reducing your chances and give, offering both partners that peace of mind that is necessary. Mm, I love that. Now, outside the marriage, outside all of that, let's come to Valentine is approaching. We know it's a lover's day. And then at the end of Yay. the day... <laughs> so at the end of the day, Dr. Esther... Um, 
many yeah. couples might end up having sex. All right. So how do they protect themselves from STIs? And outside Valentine's Day, even after then, how can we as individuals protect ourselves from sexually transmitted infections? And how can we stay sexually healthy? Mm. Okay, so thank you very much that you bring up the Valentine issue because I realized that just like Christmas, as in there's just this spirit about Christmas that it just makes you spend all your salary before it comes. And so that's why after Christmas, people are really, like really suffering a lot. <laughs> but when it comes to Valentine, there, there is something in the air. Do you understand? There's something relaxing, like everybody wants to go all the way and all that. And that's fine. That's understandable. But first thing I want to mention is that no pressures. Do you understand? No pressures. Because for some people, they feel ah that, okay, oh, uh, my time, my, my biological clock is ticking. So this is, Valentine is the opportunity to show my prowess and I have to do something. I have to start. You know, how late, maybe I hope it's not too late for me to start. No pressures. Because some people have asked me that if, if they delay sexual exposure, that is it going to affect their fertility? And my answer is a big no. Because the age at which you started into, of course, is not one of the questions we ask when we are trying to find out why you're not getting pregnant. So that's the first thing we need to take, misconception we need to take out of there. The second thing, obviously, also is that your delay of sexual intercourse is also not going to determine your sexual prowess when you eventually are in a committed relationship. The problem, why it seems to happen like that is because a lot of times we hide our head on, in the sand and we don't learn about all these things before you know that eventual time. So two things, no pressures. Your, your late or early sexual debut does not affect your fertility and neither does it determine your sexual prowess. The other thing we need to consider in this period is, you know, in terms of preparation, so, you know, I talked about that we need to consider protection at all times. Even if you've been in a long-term committed relationship and everything, you know, as doctors, I'm, I'm going to be speaking to you as a doctor because I am co more concerned about your sexual health and STIs. So I would say always consider protection. And this is not the time to do all the James Bond stunts, you know, where you cut it with your teeth and you're showing how strong you are. Please, because you can pierce the, the the latex don't use any sharp object don't use pins blades scissors to cut through and anytime you try to don the condom and you realize that you've worn it the wrong way please discard that and use a new one use a new one at every encounter those are the things we need to keep in our mind another thing that might be sinister is that turn the lights on i know the musician said you should turn the lights down low but no doctor says you turn the lights on because you need to be seeing everything that is going on. And one of the things, you know, I talked about genital warts. You need to be able to see yourself and see your partner and know that there aren't any growths or anything that you need to be concerned about at this time. So please turn the light on. Uh, well, yes. Then um, I also said that, uh, I, I mean, another thing we need to consider is drinking and, you know, sex. At this time, there's going to be a lot of partying and all that. I, I, you know, it's important for us to realize that a man or a woman who is, you know, inebriated, who is, you know, a, who, who has taken a lot of alcohol may not be in the best position to actually give consent. So to give informed consent. So at this point, so that you don't get into trouble as a guy or as a lady, and this person is so drunk, and you know, at the end of the day, everybody wakes up the next following morning, and they're wondering what happened, and a fight is breaking out, or something legal is happening. So you need to protect yourself. 
and ensure that <laughs> you are not drinking to the point of you know somebody at the end of the day denying what happened you know so we need to be careful about it. so we also try to educate our patients that because drinking can lower inhibition do you understand and make people make decisions that they normally in their you know coherent mind will not make so it's important to consider all these things at this time you know this valentine period yeah wow <laughs> i love that because the morning after is usually the most serious the morning after the valentine on the 15th of uh, february mm. then you hear a lot of people complaining and saying stuff so right. please to ensure mm. that you do not end up saying stuff and giving us stories that mm. touch Please take that touch. <laughs> take to art everything Dr. Esther has told us today. I mean, sexual health is such a broad conversation. We cannot exhaust it. As a matter of fact, I feel like we've not gone into the nitty gritties of sexual health. You talked about contraceptives. You talked about um, 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 how you feel about your body. It's also a part of sexual health. You've talked about the position that is most comfortable for you while having sex. You've talked about several things, but I think we need to have now break it down into bits, Dr. Esther, so that we can touch each of them as we go on. It's been an insightful conversation with you as always and talking about sexual health, even as we uh, count down to Valentine's Day. Now, some of us might feel timid when talking about our sex lives, whether it's with our partners or with our healthcare providers. While it may feel scary, embarrassing to discuss sexual health, doing so can improve your personal relationships and give your healthcare providers a full picture of your overall health. And as Dr. Esther Adilokwa said today, feel free, walk up to your healthcare provider provider and then just pick up your mind tell them how you're feeling down there tell them how you feel about your body and then they'll definitely do something about it i've been speaking with dr esther adilopo general practitioner and family doctor of the medicine center ikeja thank you dr esther for always giving of yourself every time thank you for having me Gloria. thank you Thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.